continue our study in the Psalms, so Psalm 121. Start with our summary statement. Psalm 121 praises the God of Israel. Who watches over his people. Psalm 121 praises the God of Israel who watches over his people. Simple outline for the psalm would be verses 1 and 2 call for confidence. Verses 3 to 8, response of affirmation. Verses 1 and 2, call for confidence. Verses 3 to 8, response of affirmation. All right, we'll go to our observations here. Psalm 121 is an anonymous psalm, so you have the superscription there, a song of degrees, um, the, speaking of the ascent or the going up. Um, there is no author attribution uh, in the heading or, or in the text. There's no musical direction in the text of the psalm. Uh, again, the word for song that gets repeated in the heading of, of all of these psalms uh, means that it's a lyrical song, something to be sung. There's also no specific occasion that is given for this psalm, um, but when you read the psalm, you can see how there's a continuing sojourning and exile theme. Um, there's a there's a uh, the psalm communicates distance, uh, looking up far off mountains. Um, particularly, those mountains are uh, around Jerusalem, which certainly seems to be the case. Psalm 121 is. Um, the second of the 15 psalms of ascent and so that's the primary category for the psalm it's a psalm of ascent they are a distinct group here within um, the psalms Uh, again those psalms of ascent begin in psalm 120 and go through psalm 134 Uh, the psalm does have some minor elements to it Um, you might call it a trust psalm It's it's a psalm of expression of trust in the Lord, uh, certainly a creation psalm. There's a number of, of elements of creation that are referred to in the psalm. Now, this psalm is obviously connected with this group of psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, and there's a there's a lot of connection throughout, and there's sort of a, a flow to those psalms as they are arranged. Um, it the in its connections with the psalms, other psalms of ascent, it's continuing that theme of exile and journey, um, and the idea of threat or danger that um, came up in Psalm 120. And so, um, the psalms of ascent do actually ascend as you go from beginning to end. And so, here in Psalm 121, we're still early in this ascent, so we're still low, um, and as far as the overall scheme 
of the Psalms is concerned. Um, there's a number of re- repeated phrases. And that doesn't mean that every single Psalm in the group has it. But as you look at this group of Psalms spread across them, there's a number of phrases that come up again and again. Uh, and there's two of those in particular in this Psalm, a reference to God as maker of heaven and earth. Um, and then the phrase from this time forth forevermore in reference to in reference to God. So there's a couple of repeated um, phrases in this psalm that, that also echo in other, other psalms of this group. This psalm is very closely connected outside of that group with Psalm number 91. And so the themes of exile and wilderness wandering, and there's also a number of shared terms and images between these two psalms. So we have this reference to shade uh, the same word, but it's translated shadow in Psalm 91.1. You get reference to shade in verse 5 here. Um, to the right hand here in verse 5 and Psalm 91 in verse number 7. Um, to the eyes, the lifting up of the eyes, looking with the eyes uh, here in verse 1, Psalm 91 verse 9. Um, foot, we have reference to the foot not being moved or, or falling. Uh, verse 3 and in Psalm 91 and verse number 17. There is danger day and night in verse 6, and that also occurs in Psalm 91, verses 5 and 6. Um, there's also a, a mention of keeping or guarding from all evil here in verse 8 and in Psalm 91 and verse number 10. So um, quite a number of close connections there between this psalm and Psalm number 91. Now, the poetic features of Psalm 121, one of those certainly would be repetition. And it's, um, you have this word for help in verses 1 and 2 that's, that start this psalm out. And then as you proceed through the psalm, you get a repetition of the word keep, um, verse 3, 4, 5, 7, and 8. Now, it's the same word, um, but I think in around verse 7 or so, um, the, the translators change to preserve, um, but it's the same word for keep. And, and preserve is uh, fine enough. This is just sort of one of those things that um, is just slightly irritating to me. Uh, I wish that they would have consistency in, when they're translating the same term that are being used in the same context rather than aiming for Readability, which you know uses synonyms and and different you know all those things your English teacher told you to do you know change up your writing. So anyway, but that's again that's just sort of a that's just sort of a little complaint of mine. But um, so there is repetition, and the structure of the psalm um, is is quite obvious. I mean, it even comes across pretty well in, in reading it in English. But the um, the structure of the psalm is couplets and what this means is verse pairs with parallelism and so that holds all the way through the psalm so verses one and two then verses three and four then five and six then seven and eight Um, they they work as verse pairs Um, it also in the structure of this psalm uses that staircase um, structure we've talked about um, previously so you have these parallel pairs where the second one expands or increases, and in some way it goes up from the first one. And again, that's pretty obvious in this particular psalm. Uh, Another aspect of the structure of this psalm is that it's structured around two different voices. So if you look at verses 1 and 2, you will notice the use of the first person pronouns, um, and then all the rest of the psalm from verse 3 to verse 8 is third person. 
And so it gives, us, it gives this psalm sort of this call and response sort of effect. So verses 1 and 2 are like the call, and then verses 3 and 8 are like the response. Um, and the response is an affirmation of, of trust in the Lord, essentially. Also, the, the psalm uses a little bit of imagery. Um, it's mostly pretty straightforward. Um, references to the shade. Um, references to the sun and moon and and things like that. We have just got a few uh, somewhat minor imagery. Um, Overall, when you read the psalm and and you sort of pay attention to um, the phrases and the images and things that are used, you you get the sense of a journey. There's a a sense of a journey. There's a sense of of movement in, in being far away and also obviously a sense of danger, which goes along with... Um, that of the journey. All right, so let's work our way through this psalm, eight verses. So I'll go ahead and read this. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So verses 1 and 2 give us this opening call for confidence. Um, It's, again, it's it's sort of like the call and response. Um, you know, my help comes from the Lord and, and so on, and the rest of the psalm um, will answer that. If you um, read this opening, it sort of mirrors the opening of Psalm 120. You know, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me deliver my soul. So it's sort of like an answer to, to Psalm 120. Um, and also the, the suggestion that we see here, lifting up eyes to the, to the hills, um, from whence cometh my help, is that, help comes from above. Now, the hills that are referred to are, I believe, later clarified as mountains around Jerusalem in Psalm 125 and verse number 2, which also makes sense, again, when you, when you think of these psalms as a group and you see that there is movement, so there's, there's a flow in these psalms. Essentially what these psalms of ascent are about, they are about um, the journey to Jerusalem for that eschatological feast in um, the Lord's kingdom when he comes. That's what these psalms of ascent are about. That's where movement is too. It's going from exile to restoration, from from wilderness to to Jerusalem and to the land of promise. So, So when he says, I'll lift up my eyes unto the hills, it's not a, we shouldn't read it as just a generic reference, just in general, um, but rather the mountains around Jerusalem. And again, that gives us so, something of that sense of distance that um, he is far off, and you can see those hills uh, in the distance. In verse 2, he talks about how his help comes from Yahweh. His, that's where his help comes from. And he states that he is the creator of heaven and earth. So the distant hills also can communicate something of a sense of danger. Now, we probably don't think a whole lot about it um, in, in, in this day and age, you know, with our automobiles. And if you have a reliable automobile, which isn't always true for all of us, but if you have a reliable automobile, 
you go up and over a mountain and don't really think much about it. Um, but imagine, uh, you know, passing over in, in by foot or even riding some animals on just some trails. And, uh, you know, I, 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 several years ago, I did get a chance to visit the Donner Summit. Uh, I'm sure you remember hearing about the Donner Party, uh, their journey over the mountain and starvation and all the things that, that happened. It's actually quite dangerous business um, to, to cross high mountains. And so you get, this, you get this sense from the start of danger, but the reference to God as the maker of heaven and earth is asserting uh, that, that he is greater. He's greater than, than the mountains. He's, he's greater than the dangers um, that the mountains may present. He is greater, uh, in fact, than all the dangers that are going to come out in this. And that's something of a theme uh, in this particular psalm, the Lord being the creator of heaven and earth, making him greater than all of these aspects that do threaten danger. Then you go to verse 3 and 4, that next pair, um, and this is where the, the, the response of assurance begins. So you get this change over to the third person. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, and, and so on. So there's, um, you know, the not suffering the foot to be moved essentially is an expression of, of a protection from falling. Um, we've seen this in places like Psalm 17 and verse 5. Psalm 30 and verse 6, Psalm 62 and verse 6. More recently, Psalm 112 and verse number 6. And the falling here is not just the idea of just literally tripping and, and maybe, you know, banging up your knee or something, um, although that can, can be a, a serious situation given the context. But rather, it's, it's falling in a sense of destruction. You're not going to stumble on the way so that, so that you fall and are lost, essentially. So this is a, a, an expression of covenant faithfulness that makes falling in this way impossible. Um, a couple of references, Psalm 55, verse 22, Psalm 66, and verse number 9. Then we're also told that, that he that keepeth thee, and that introduces this next repetition. So we saw help in verses 1 and 2. And then he that keepeth thee, the... Um, idea of guarding or or watching um is is present in there um and we're told that he doesn't fall asleep essentially is what's being said the one that watches over you doesn't fall asleep is what's being said in the psalm so it's given us this imagery of a, a very alert and awake guard you know that's that's on the duty on on the job at the post um and watching then we get a, a reinforced alert and watchfulness. God is active in watching over Israel in, in verse number 4. Though they be in exile, God has not fallen asleep. And we've getting this, we get this, again, this sense of, uh, of the exile and a sense of, of wandering um, and this expectation of, of the future gathering. But though they are in this state of exile and affliction, God has not fallen asleep. They're not there because God has um, slipped up. You know, he overslept one morning, and so, uh, you know, he, he missed a, a key moment when he could have intervened in Israel's history. No, 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 he never sleeps. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't fall asleep, um, even even though they're, if they're in the situation they're in, then there's a reason for it. Of course, we know that reason. Verses 5 and 6, the next pair, and this is where we get um, some more reference to these threatening dangers 
And the idea that the Lord is, is a shade, is a, a covering, uh, a protective covering. In fact, um, the, the very same word is translated shadow in reference to um, hiding under the shadow of the wings. So you have that um, covenantal imagery of a, of a bird that is you know, covering and protecting um, her young. So that, those uh, occur in uh, Psalm 17 and verse number 8, Psalm 36 and verse 7, Psalm 57 and verse 1, and Psalm 63 and verse number 7. And we've already seen how that this, there, there's a, a sort of a stock of images that reference this sort of covenantal protection and safety. So you have the idea of the high tower. You have the, high, the idea of a, of a um, well-defensed fortress. You have the idea of, of the... Um, uh, you know, of the rock, of the like the cave in, in the rock, the shelter, um, and, and also the protection of the shadow of the wings or the shade. So the Lord is, is the shade on, the right, on your right hand, this being the place of protection here. Then we have reference to sun, moon, day, and night. And obviously there's a, there's a, a poetic expression here that's, that's essentially covering all times. Like there is no other time. Um, the, the sun, the day, the moon, and the night, uh, there's just no other time. So it's all times that are covered. Of course, this echoes back to the verses before the fact that God doesn't fall asleep, which also brings out something that, that might be somewhat subtle. But as we're thinking about this trust in the Lord and we're thinking about you know, living life day to day, we do fall asleep. And we have to sleep at some point. And that is something that also could be very dangerous to someone that is traveling, someone that's sojourning through um, barren country, wilderness country, rugged type of country, um, falling asleep. And, and sleeping is something that could be uh, very dangerous as well. But God doesn't fall asleep. We, re- we remember that, but we do. Uh, and so we need one who doesn't in order to keep watch over us. And the day and the night also present different kinds of threats um, to travelers in wilderness country. So in, in the day, you can think of, of you know, exposure to the, to the sun and, and to the heat. Uh, at night, you can think of um, exposure to the cold and, and maybe also um, someone with wicked intentions that wants to sneak up and, and upon you in, in the, in, under the cover of darkness and so on. Verses 7 and 8 then give us the closing affirmation um, and this reference to keeping from all evil obviously this is a comprehensive expression so evil here includes things like calamity um, catastrophe we might refer to as natural disasters um, being at, at threat of danger from the elements um, but it also includes evil intentions so wicked people that have evil intention robbers and 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 whatnot so the reference to soul here also conveys the idea of the whole person um, being kept by God. And then we get, a, we get this phrase, thy going out and thy coming in. It's a, it's a common figure of speech. Um, it's it's kind of like when, when we say something like all the comings and goings, uh, something like that. So it, it's just a, it's a similar to the expression that's also used in the Bible, in all your ways. Um, in all your ways, acknowledge him and, and that sort of thing. So... It's a reference to the business of life and comprehensively covers all aspects. So as you, day and night, coming and going, um, God is keeping you, is what is stated in the psalm. 
And of course, it ends with, um, from this time forth and even forevermore, that, God, that the Lord's watch care is everlasting. It never runs out. Just, just as he will never let uh, the foot be moved so that the, the person is lost, um, his watch care will never run out. All right, let's go to interpretation. Psalm 121 obviously teaches God's comprehensive care as creator. And uh, right after I wrote that, I thought, hmm, Steve's going to appreciate that. Comprehensive care as creator. So uh, anyway, so there's a, there's a little, little boon for you. Um, so this psalm depicts a journey through difficult country, uh, a hard path, and many dangers and threats along the way. So there's dangers that are present throughout. So you have mountains and, and even, again, just climbing mountains. Uh, and if you're isolated and you're in barren country and you're on foot or uh, even, if you, even if you're riding an animal and that animal gets injured or, or you get injured and are unable to walk, um, it can become a very serious situation very quickly. Um, stumbling, having your, having your foot stumble um, in a in a hole or on a rock or in a rut or or something like that, the heat of the sun, the cold at night, lurkers in the night, um, the need for sleep, but also the need to keep watch, disasters of all forms, and the evil intentions of wicked people. So there's all there's all kinds of of dangers to being um, again isolated in barren type country, and so God as Creator means that he is the maker of all, and that means that he is overall. So the Psalms stress Zion as the dwelling place of God, but that doesn't mean that God is confined to Zion. That doesn't mean that he is limited to working in Zion or Jerusalem. In other words, this is a, this is a, a, a word of confidence um, to the faithful of Israel that even though they are in exile and, and still continue that way to this day, even though that they are in, in exile and that future gathering and restoration has not happened yet, well, it doesn't mean that, that God is limited to only working within the boundaries of Israel that he described to Abraham in the book of Genesis. No, God's the maker of heaven and earth. There, there's, there's nothing... Um, I can't remember the, um, uh, I want to say it was uh, Abraham Kuyper. I may be misremembering that, but he, he was famous. I think he was famously, he was the one famously known for, for saying that there's not a square inch of space in all of this universe over which Christ is not Lord. Um, you may have heard that phrase or that statement or not. But so, so this psalm is, it is bringing this out. He's not confined to Jerusalem. He doesn't only work within the, the land of Israel. Um, he's the maker of heaven and earth. So um, he is at work. He's the ruler of all. And as such, he's greater than all and guards his people from all. Again, such that they will not be lost. Now, the messianic hope of this psalm is seen through the personal helper from Yahweh to stand at the right hand. So the helper from Yahweh uh, we learned all the way back in Psalm 20 and verse 2, comes from Zion, comes from the hills, the helper from Yahweh, again, a, a person. 
So the Lord stands at the right hand of the poor, we're told, to deliver them from condemnation. Psalm 109 and verse number 31. And there's also a connection here to the image of David's Lord who comes from God's right hand. That's Psalm 110 and verse 1. And what does he do? He strikes down the wicked kings of the earth. So this is, this is the helper from Yahweh, the one who comes from Zion, who stands at your right hand to protect and to deliver. And so then we turn to the New Testament and we think about different ways that the Lord is, is uh, Jesus Christ fulfills this imagery. So uh, just a few places, John chapter 17, verse number 12, Jesus is praying here, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 15 there says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil in, obviously, in the world. And then we think about um, some of the descriptions of Jesus as that good shepherd. Um, So John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Think about even Jesus telling parables about um, leaving the ninety and nine and going to um, find that one lost sheep. And so what, what, is, what, what, are, what do we get you know, from, the, from the sense of this psalm in connection with, with Jesus Christ is that he, he is the one who has traveled this way before us and he knows this way and travels this way with us and particularly with those of Israel that he will again gather and restore in the future day and then we're also given assurance in places like Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever so his his protection and and his guidance is never ending All right, application. I have two of these. So number one, understanding Psalm 121 helps us understand that even though we walk a dangerous path in the world, that God is with us. He's he's greater than all dangers. He's greater than all powers in heaven and earth that would seek to destroy us. Think about what Peter wrote in in his epistle. You know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so a psalm like this does give reassurance. It it does boost our confidence in God and understand that that yes, we we do walk a dangerous path in this life in this present evil world. Um but, but we are guarded and we are kept such that we will not be lost. And number two, understanding Psalm 121 helps us understand that help from the Lord, like it's described in, in this passage, help from the Lord is not that that makes us healthy and wealthy in this life. Help from the Lord is not that 
that will simply keep us from ever being hurt in a fallen world. Again, help from the Lord watches, guards, protects, and, and yes, does deliver us from many of, of those, um, those sort of things many times, but it's ultimately, again, that as we go through this dangerous world, that none of his will be lost. So his, his, the, the help from the Lord is a personal helper, Jesus Christ, who saves and delivers our souls from condemnation.